I'm Nicole McCants, a psychologist turned business coach for psychotherapists. It was not long ago when I was in solo private practice, seeing way too many clients feeling overwhelmed and burnt out. In 2016, when I became pregnant with twins, I knew I had to scale to a group practice because I couldn't keep working that much. I was sick of hitting the ceiling in my income and knew that the only way to make more money and help more people was expanding my practice. In three short years, I was able to scale it to 55 therapists and multiple seven figures. Once I was able to reach that goal, I had to take it to my peers. I'm here to teach you how to scale your solo practice to a group or take your group practice to the next level. We didn't learn anything about business in graduate school, so I created the Business Savvy Therapist podcast, where I share easy to implement, business and marketing strategies so you can help more people, make more money, and have more freedom. Let's dive in. Welcome back. In today's episode, I'm talking to a group practice owner who's going to share her secrets, guys, because here's the thing. The successful people, we don't know how they did it. And today I have Laura Devlin here. Welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited that you're here. Laura is a clinical psychologist and co-owner of Beaches Therapy with two locations in Toronto and approximately 40 therapists. And you've been around now for about 12 years, 10 or 12 years? Yeah, like I started as a soul kind of soul therapist in my own little basement office in like 2009. And then my business partner, Rebecca, joined me in 2014 after I had my first kid and needed to take some time off. And, and she was working in the neighborhood and she was open to taking some client referrals. So it sort of started there. And then it sort of became, you know, a small group practice in about 2015. We started adding a few associates just to manage our referral flow. And it kind of has grown incrementally from there. Yeah. And quite organic. Okay. So let's dive into the questions because that's yeah. the thing. I, I've watched you grow. So people, you know, everybody listening, I do know Laura and it's been beautiful watching this organically happen. And at the beginning, did you ever envision it being this big? No, no. It's kind of, you know, it's been amazing. It's been really awesome to see how much it has grown and developed. And I do feel really fortunate because, you know, it certainly helped to have some mentorship, Nicole, like you, you and I have often gone back and forth and I've appreciated your support along the way. I never felt totally out of my depth because it did gradually build. So I, you know, I think that in a way that was sort of a blessing that it, we didn't have big vision of like, oh, we definitely want to get to two locations or, you know, 40 therapists right off the bat. It was much more small scale in, in yeah. terms of at the outset. So I think that was good in a way. Well, also I find that when you grow really fast, you have to keep up with the growth, you, you yeah. know? And so yeah, like, even right. personally, it's a lot. So yeah. trust me, <laughs> but yes. yeah, for you, you're kind of growing slowly at the perfect pace and it's very stable. And yeah. When did you decide to open up your second location? Because that happened pretty recently. That's right. Yeah. So I think for us, like the, our progress was really slow and steady for a long time. And it was, you know, a number of years there where I still felt primarily like a clinician who was sort of managing this small practice as like a side gig, you know, and for the first few years, wasn't really even like 
being paid to do that. Like it was really just more of a, a, a little project on the side. And then in 2020, we actually got the the courage together to lease our first like clinic space. And that was obviously a big jump forward for us. And then it kind of took off from there. And I think maybe COVID had a little to do with that. We started to offer more virtual services and needed to hire to keep up with the demand and then realized quickly as things started to come back to in-person that we were like out of space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we looked, we wanted to find another space that was not too far away because we wanted to be able to accommodate our existing clients. And we were lucky to find a great spot. So we sort of jumped on it, but it was a little bit, probably the biggest risk that we've taken all along, like in terms of comfort zone, like it took a little mm-hmm. bit of like courage to sort of sign that second lease. Yes. Or even the first one, that was a big one. Yeah. We went from a smaller office to a much bigger office. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And we had to renovate, which obviously t- takes significant investment, as you very well know. Yes. So yeah, I think those are the, the moments where you feel like you have to gather your courage and sort of have some vision. It required a little bit of, of determination that I didn't set out with initially, you know, like it was sort of yeah. small little steps. Yeah. I like that word determination because there is something about getting a bricks and mortar, you know, the whole, if you build it, they will come. And mm-hmm. then it sets fire under you to fill it. So you take the risk and then now you have this empty mm-hmm. container building that then it's like that determination piece where it's like, okay, now I have the fire under me to do it. And for you, was that, because I think some people, if you didn't take the initial risk to sign even the first lease, that maybe the determination wouldn't be there as much because that kind of like once you signed, it was like go time. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think, you know, we'd sort of, again, we'd had this smaller practice at a, at a more temporary kind of like renting individual offices, which was less liability on our shoulders. And, and we'd allowed ourselves to grow over a number of years. And so I don't mean to downplay the risk part of it, but I do think we were lucky in a sense that we didn't have, it wasn't like we were starting from scratch. Like I wouldn't necessarily suggest signing a big lease if you're just starting out at the beginning. Like again, I mean, it depends on people's situations and their risk tolerance and all of that, but maybe their entrepreneurial skills as well. Like I I never saw myself as an entrepreneur initially. So Mm -hmm. for us, it didn't feel like a a massive leap because we already, you know, had a really decent clientele, but yes, it definitely, you know, it definitely was a bigger step than we'd taken before. And it does yeah. motivate you then to be like, okay, what are we doing here? How do we make sure this really works? And then we can pay yes. these bills. Exactly. People are always interested. Where do you find the good people? So, you know, when you opened up your second location, you had to fill the rooms. For you, where have you found the best therapists? It's a good question. Like, I mean, we've got a wonderful team. We've been very lucky to have uh, therapists that have stuck with us and grown with us and that have great relationships with their clients. The various sources, you know, the typical ones, of course, like advertising on Indeed and that kind of thing. Sometimes though, I find it's been really helpful to have friends of existing therapists who are interested in joining. And like, in order for that to happen, you have to have a good culture, right? I think you have to yeah. work on therapists liking working where they are and speaking highly of it, which is something we can talk about later, but also interns. Like we've, we've started an intern program. We're actually a partner site for the U of T MSW program. And we've been taking other interns from other locations. And sometimes internships can turn into associate positions because for me, like I'm very much a bit of a therapy nerd. Like I want people that are practicing from sort of some of my own theoretical preferences, you know, like I want them to have certain lenses that they bring to the work, certain style of showing up in the room. Yeah. So I kind of like it when they're under my supervision for a while. So I can kind of make sure that they're doing therapy the way that, that to me feels like 
in alignment with my values. For sure. Because it's your reputation, right? Yeah. Within reason, everyone's got their own individual approach, but you know, there's certain approaches that to me, especially if you're doing work like couples work or working with teens, like I want to make sure that it mm-hmm. kind of meets my standards. Yeah. If I can jump in about that, because I find, and I don't know if you found this, but I found that because I was, you know, I, I became known in Toronto in a small little way mm-hmm. that when people went to my clinic, they did expect mini me's a little bit, that they did expect yeah. a flavor of Nicole right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's actually a good thing because it is your brand yeah. and an extension of you that in fact, supervising them. Yeah. And I think that's been something that I've developed a level of ownership over, I would say more recently, because I think it took me a while to sort of claim that the authority over it, you know, in a way, because it had started on like a, a much more casual kind of like baby steps basis of, of adding people and adding great people I initially was a little bit reticent to speak about, you know, the kind of therapy that I thought we should be doing. You know, I was very respectful of other people's approaches and that kind of thing. And I think now I feel a little bit more comfortable naming that, you know, this is our practice and this is the reputation that we've built. And this is the kind of standards we want to uphold here. And these are the values that we have, you know, we Mm -hmm. work to formulate our values and express them more openly. And I think that was a bit of a learning curve for me to get to come to clarity about that. Like, what is it that I want to do here? Why are we building this, growing this? What is the kind of experience we want clients to have? And so I'm also sensing like it's stepping into your leadership a little bit too and saying right. like, this is the yeah. this is the way that I want to drive the bus. <laughs> this yeah. is the route that we're going kind of thing, hop yes. on or not. I would yeah. love to, and I think the listeners would love to hear what type of approaches do you use in terms of therapy? Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously like most therapists, eclectic, but I do tend to have a, a bias towards like an attachment lens, like trauma informed and and EFT are my sort of go-tos. Like, mm-hmm. especially with, we do a lot of relationship and couples therapy at our practice. And I really am quite an EFT sort of, <laughs> I don't know what the word is, but I use that a lot. And I... I like clients to have sort of a long view of, of themselves in the work. So I want our therapists to go a little deeper in general. Yeah. You know, in certain circumstances, CBT and all of that is fantastic, but we tend to have longer term relationships with our clients. And I love supporting therapists doing deeper work with clients where, where it's appropriate and where mm-hmm. the client wants to do that. And so I love it when, when clinicians are able to have a deeper conceptualization of clients. Yeah. That's so smart. Yeah. Yeah. It's a reflection of you. Yeah. Let's talk culture. You mentioned culture a second ago. Mm-hmm. And I would love to know you're really good at retaining your therapist. I love what you said about hiring their friends. I'm a big advocate of that. But how do you keep your therapist happy? Tell me about your culture. Again, it's I, I think it's been something that we've been growing in terms of like being more intentional about it. From the outset, it was more of a collegial environment. You know, we'd have team meetings once a month and we'd bring snacks and it'd be a little group of us chatting about cases. And it was very casual. We'd, you know, do little outings here and there as teams. We tried to keep our team like connecting and that kind of a thing. And I think with time we've grown into being a little bit more structured in our processes. And again, if I was to do it, like if I was to do it from the beginning, I might be more intentional from the outset around like the kind of culture I wanted to create because you know, not everyone is always on board when things change. I think it's sometimes Mm -hmm. harder when you've started in one way and then you're trying to shift it. And it became a little bit more 
process oriented, you know, on an administrative level, like making sure everyone was doing like digital notes versus, you know, handwritten notes, which people were doing for a really long time. So we had to like get everybody to change their strategy. And like that took some time, for example. Um, we are one of our branding mottos is like growth is good. We have like neon signs in both of our clinics that say growth is good. We're all about growth mindset. That's like a really appealing approach to me as well. And we try to create a culture of like growth and support within the clinic. So we offer in-house like trainings consistently like there's always continuous like training like this month we're doing trauma for the team and we'll do like just short little digital trainings but we'll offer them for those that want to attend we do consultation groups that are open for for our therapists to attend nice we use the voxer app which you introduced me to like voice notes back and forth to ask about resources and that kind of thing so we really try to have like a sense of support and professional growth within the organization Want to hang out live? Join my next masterclass, Level Up to a Seven-Figure Group Practice, where I walk you through the proven strategies to scale your solo practice to a group or take your group practice to the next level. If you attend live, I give you a special bonus that you are not going to want to miss. The link to register is in the show notes. See you there. So when it comes to the trainings, are they like a PESI training kind of thing? And and is it digital? And do they all come together and watch it? Or do you just share it and just kind of watch at your leisure? Mostly we've been doing more like broadcasting it and like watching it together kind of or hosting it. That's sort of how we've been doing it to try to increase participation, I guess. Yeah. And discussion and that kind of thing. So it's like a home movie, except of course, yeah. like learning therapy. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, guys, you can even do things like popcorn, you know, yeah. snacks, yeah. like all the things. Yeah. 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 I'm looking for new ideas when it comes to that. Like I'd love to bring in some, you know, trainers and like do in person at some point. That's what we did. So we would do monthly. It was virtual though, mm. because we're hybrid and it still worked though. So we would do the clinic meeting, team meeting once a month. It'd be Mm. 20 minutes of housekeeping and then 40, 45 minutes where we'd have someone come in to talk about psychedelic assisted therapy, like just really unique Mm. things. Like this fascinating guy came to talk about psychodynamic dreams and what they mean and just really, Mm. yeah, again, fascinating. Oh, cool. That's a great idea. Yeah. And then they come. That's the thing. Nobody really wanted to come to talk about housekeeping, so we had to make it more fun. Yeah. That's not a bad idea because we, we've taken the same approach. We've cut down our team meeting to being quite short. So it's just more administrative, but did you just reach out to individual like specialists and ask if they yes. hire them for an hour? Yes, exactly. Yeah. But I wanted experts. So they were from the yeah. States, like various places, and we would pay them an hourly rate. We had a budget of about 200 bucks for, but for 40 minutes isn't yeah. bad. And they usually have a presentation ready. Mm-hmm. I would just make sure they have the personality because some of them were a little boring, <laughs> you yeah. know? So I would maybe yeah. watch a YouTube video on them to make sure they have the personality to yeah. demand the room. I like that. The idea of like actually doing some in li- like real life conversations yes. with specialists. That would be a exactly. bit more vibrant, perhaps engaging. Yeah, it's a good idea. So now let's talk marketing. I mean, 40 therapists is a lot. What is one marketing tool that you've just realized like, okay, yes, this is working. I'm going to keep doing this. That's made a difference in your success? It's hard to say. Like, I wish I could be more specific. I think a lot of it might be to do with like neighborhood presence that's built over a number of years. Like we do have like a storefront presence, like our clinics are, there's signage and that kind of thing, which I think Mm -hmm. helps. And also just being in this neighborhood and practicing for, I guess, 15 years at this point, almost 
you do develop a bit of word of mouth and that kind of grows on itself. Definitely. The more clients that are seen, the more that, so I think it, it did hit a bit of a critical mass at a certain point, whereas we weren't necessarily very good at the marketing at the outset. Like we didn't quite know how to go about that. And so it was slower to begin with. And then it started to take on, it started to build momentum. Well, I think you have a great reputation. I also think Beaches Therapy, so those of you, I have a lot of American listeners that don't know Toronto well. Mm -hmm. Beaches is a really beautiful neighborhood in Toronto. And so think about that when you're naming your clinic, because I think Mm -hmm. you're well known. The moment anybody sees that, they know exactly where you are. And I I wonder how much that plays into it. Yes. Yeah, I do actually think the name might have, especially at the beginning, maybe really helped us. The only challenge it presents now is is as we think about potentially expanding further, asking ourselves, do we stick with the neighborhood name or do we, you know, like, might it sound funny if we're in... Leaside or downtown and, and we're called yes. Beaches Therapy. I think, I think we probably will just stick with the name, but it's the only challenge. That, let's talk about that for a second. So I was also the Toronto Neurofeedback and Psychotherapy Center, and we were going to yeah. open up in Durham. We ended up just staying in one location and kind of building it out because our neighbors yeah. moved, which was handy. But really great point because yeah. I personally found it's it's a bit confusing to be in Oshawa, yeah. but called Toronto, especially certain people are very particular about their neighborhood. Like, no, mm. like, no, no, you're not. This isn't Toronto. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, that's true. I could see that. But I think beaches is a bit light and fluffy and beaches can mean a lot of things like, the, yeah. you know, my favorite place. <laughs> so yeah. I think you might yeah. be able to get away with it. Yeah, it'll be a question definitely to kind of ponder if we do go further east, because right now we're sort of still in the vicinity of the neighborhood in both of our locations. But yeah, it's going to be a tricky one to kind of good for people to learn, though, right? Like, this is good to know. So maybe don't actually, you know, pick a more general name. Which is funny because I often say that, and I wonder if you agree, always make your decisions at scale. So not where you are today, but where you'll be in three, five years. And I didn't do that because we're kind of programmed to just be like, I'll give you an example, birthdays. So I wanted to do a birthday cake for every single person because I thought, oh my gosh, wouldn't that be nice? We're bricks and mortar. We'll do a birthday cake. And that we had seven people, but thank goodness I didn't because we would be eating birthday cake. 55 people, like every single week, a birthday cake. Oh my God. Yeah. Trying to, I think when you're coming up with your name, come up with it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. Like making decisions at scale. It's certainly not something that I did at the beginning and something still maybe I need to work on is trying to see or even getting clear about like what, you know, what is your big picture? I think yeah, we might not always know that from the beginning. Talk a little bit about your sweet spot and and I'll, I'll share what I mean because I wonder if you're there or, or have passed it. I find a lot of people get wrapped up in growth that Mm -hmm. there's a sweet spot where you're like, my stress isn't too bad. I have Mm -hmm. the lifestyle that I want and the income that I want. Because there's a lot of people that grow and grow and grow and then the income's coming in, but they hate their life because their, their team is way too big. And then what do you do? How do you go back from that? Right. Yeah. And so I don't yeah. know if you if this feels sweet. Does forty feel sweet? <laughs> forty therapist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a really good question. I think it's one that Rebecca and I are, have asked ourselves, and maybe haven't quite arrived at what that means for us. We both have young families, like little kids, as you do, and you know what that's like. Mm-hmm. That's another layer. I do think you know a sweet spot is having, for me anyway, like having a business partner that is also like my best friend that, you know, is a real benefit. Ultimately, I I believe, like, I don't think I would have grown quite as much doing it alone. Something about power and numbers or like the courage of Mm -hmm. having another 
another person. A hundred percent. Yeah. So that's really nice. And I know not everyone has that available to them, but so that's really lovely. And, you know, I, I often say to myself, if it stays exactly how it is and, and we've accomplished this much, then to me, that's on one level enough and, and wonderful. And we have really good quality services for our clients and we have our therapists having a really good professional yeah. experience. Like to me, that is so valuable and I'll feel really good about it. You know, there is a part of me that is interested to see like where we could take it and like what, you know me, I'm yeah. a, little bit, <laughs> a little bit type A like that as well. Yeah. I do have that side to me. I think everybody listening is, it's like, how far, how big can I grow? I was very much like that. Yeah. It's interesting, right? You wonder, and I, but it is a question like, is it, at what point does it become undermining of your day-to-day happiness? If it's really, you know, I think you'd have to get really good at uh, something I would have to really think about is having the right structures in place to make it really still a good company to work at, to be at, and a good experience for our clients. I'd always, I always worry about quality and the client's experience. So I yeah. never want it to be too, too big. Yeah, that I couldn't keep an eye on that or didn't have the structures in place to manage that in, a, in an effective and ethical kind of way. Yeah. I think for some people, it's what is your profit goal? Like how much, you know, what kind of lifestyle do you mm-hmm. want to live? Do you want your kids in private school? Do you want to, you know, just like the things, yeah. the life. Yeah. And then once you hit that, and this is what I teach my members, how can I work a little bit less? So, so for me, step one, letting go seeing clients, which mm-hmm. was hard because I, I still miss my clients. But now that I'm doing this this coaching, it kind of fills that fulfillment for me. Yeah. Yeah, and step two was letting go of supervision. And then step three was ultimately letting go of the clinic when I sold it. But I think for people hitting your sweet spot and then how can I live a life where I just do therapy when I feel like it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like to me, that's the mm-hmm. ultimate freedom where it's like, I don't have to, yeah. but I'm feeling really inspired. And that's when we do our best work anyway. It's definitely that's not right. after eight clients. <laughs> and, right, yeah. right. So just wrapping up here, there's a lot of people listening who are contemplating starting their very own group practice. What is one thing that you would tell them to maybe take the first step? How to take the first step? I mean, only speaking from my experience would be, well, I, I like what you said about kind of maybe thinking about scale, not just starting exactly where you are, but I think keeping that in mind, but also bite-sized chunks, like, you know, trying not to overwhelm yourself with anything that feels is going to create too much anxiety that you like can't sleep at night. Yes. Try to scaffold it so that it's small to start and gradual. Again, that might not be exactly everyone's philosophy and and some people have a a stronger stomach for for taking chances and and you know taking leaps but uh for me i think that's what i would suggest is you know establish establish yourself or in your comfort zone and then work backwards like small steps so that it feels manageable and exciting but not overwhelming not overwhelming i love that stay out of the overwhelm wonderful how do people reach you what's the best way to reach you oh you go to our website which is beachestherapy.ca a good Canadian website, or you can email us at info at beachestherapy.ca. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Laura. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Business Savvy Therapist podcast. I hope this episode was helpful. I would be so grateful if you would share this with a peer or colleague that is wanting to help more people make more money and have more freedom. Make sure to subscribe so you do not miss any new episodes and please do leave me a review. It would mean the world to me. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you in the next one.